Hey folks, good to have you tuned back in for another great episode of Between the Times podcast. Before we jump into this podcast, I want to thank our partners who make this podcast possible. First and foremost, if you're looking for prime hunting or farming land, land specialist Luke Shoemaker and David Will are the guys to reach out to. They're with North Missouri Land Company in the Midwest located in Macon, Missouri. If you tell them that you heard about this from Between the Times Outdoor Podcast, they have some specials they can offer you. Reach out to Eddie Tosca Taxidermist. The owner is Ricky Bayham, which is just so happen to be a co-host of Between the Times. With the code BTT, you will get 15% off all shoulder mounts. Also, he is throwing another code in, 10% off on all pedestal mounts. Use the code BTT from Between the Times Outdoor Podcast. Welcome to the Between the Times Outdoor Podcast, where it's all about gaining more knowledge, strategies, management, and telling great hunting camp stories. So set back and enjoy today's guest. Welcome to Between the Times Outdoor Podcast. I'm coming in like WWF. <laughs> we definitely got a special guest in here tonight, the one and only Jared James Smith. And the people that don't know Jared, you're about to figure out real quick. Jared is an OG turkey killer. There's a difference between turkey hunters. A lot of people are turkey hunters, but not everybody's a turkey killer. And Jared... You know, he's got the spur necklaces to prove it. And uh, he's one of those guys, um, you know, when I met him the first time I met him, he made a real big impression on me. And I knew he was a special guy and he was going to be a great guest on the podcast. I knew the first time I shook hands with Jared, I said, we got to get this guy on the podcast. Yeah. You know, immediately. So you've seen them necklaces. <laughs> yeah. When a dude's not walking, just his, but his sons too. And right. when his son's got a necklace, I mean, damn. <laughs> yeah. When you, when you walking around with hooks hanging all around your neck and you look down and his little kids got spurs all over. His neck, <laughs> like, yeah. These guys probably know what they're doing. Yeah. But, uh, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. So Jared, just, uh, introduce yourself and give us a little background if you would. How y'all doing, guys? Uh, Jared James Smith. Uh, much as I know for it to be true, that's not Jake Spurs. That was mine, man. He was wearing my Jake Spurs. Uh, he ain't yeah. got a bird yet. Really? Uh, yes, he hasn't killed a bird yet. So he's been with me on a bunch of them, but he's never pulled the trigger. So, I got you. Hey, but, ain't nothing wrong with a man telling the truth. So his yeah. name is Jake? Jake, yep. So I put all them jazz that I just had piled up, and I put them on his because he wanted one, and he actually lost them in Louisiana on our vacation. Oh. We yeah, they're mm. somewhere down Ronnie Boudin or somewhere. <laughs> How are you getting them back? And Hammond. Man, it made me sick. I couldn't find them nowhere, and we looked all in the car when we got back to Alabama, and they were gone. But he was wearing them. He went to the arcade in Lafayette and uh, – I don't know where they're at, but that was all my jakes. I just had piled them up on that string for him, and he mm. loved them. And so, yep. But he now he's been on my neck a few times when I've killed some. I'm walking through the woods, slipping through the woods, and see him and bust them. But he ain't never actually pulled the trigger. Right, he'll get it. But, yeah, he's learning from the up, best. Man, I appreciate that. Yeah, I grew up in South Louisiana, frogging and trapping and duck hunting and a little bit of deer, not much. But uh, 
catching anything I could. Alligator, gar, crawfish, frogs, turtles, everything. Down there in Generette. So you and, you uh, basically just a coon ass living in Alabama, huh, Jared? Yep. <laughs> but I lost a lot of it now. I'm a redneck, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So at what point did you wind up moving to Alabama, Jared? Back in 1986. 1986. 35 years ago, my boy. Wow. So, yeah, you you way bye-bye to the coon-ass lifestyle a long time ago. A long time ago. All my family still lives there. Yeah. And uh, I get to go back every now and then. Um, I love it there. But there wasn't enough turkeys all over here, too. Looks but, like we might move you know, to Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Jared, so what you're saying is they don't have enough turkeys in Louisiana, so that's why you moved? I grew up in the Chafalaya Basin, man. Oh, there wasn't oh yeah. Many yeah. There wasn't many turkeys over there. Ants and the floods, everything, just everything eats them. So, they, uh, and coyotes eat them here, foxes and all that stuff. So, do a lot of trapping, try to. Do you feel like Alabama's got a pretty good bit of turkeys or what? Man, it was a, a mega place in the 80s. And uh, it's gradually went down since then. More land's been bought. You know stuff like that. Uh, it's it's. I know it's probably more than a lot of states, but it's a lot harder than you think. Yeah, we got a pretty good uh, we, bit of listeners over toward that way. And do you hunt public land or just private? Anywhere I can, really. I got you. So you kind you kind of yeah. like us. You just you know scatter all over the place a little bit. Where dabble, they dabble, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dabble here, dabble there. Yeah, when the hunting was good in the forest and stuff like that. Uh, we got a lot of public land coast to coast, and it was good. It was great, you know, kill a lot of birds. But um, now so many, so many people there, so much pressure, it's good that, you know, people might invite you or you can get in the hunt club, but the hunt clubs are high too. Um, so the lands, is, you know, of course, everything's going to be fine. Everybody's buying it up and stuff like that. So it's getting harder and harder to find places to hunt. I've lost some good land this year, and it's making me sick about it, but... I still, I'm going to hunt some public land, and I got a, a lot of people that's inviting me nowadays because they find get a turkey, so that helps me too. And uh, so, so how many birds can you kill and over there? It's four now. It's been five forever. Uh, yeah. yeah. Back in the day, it was six. Dude, that's so, crazy. It ain't never know, been six here. Man, I. No. Man, I back in the day i mean i still i still get my five and that's what i'm known for is killing them fast because uh i'm a <laughs> lot more of a hunter. i ain't bragging but i'm usually done way before april or right there at april i've only killed a few birds in april so what i do is i scout i find my birds before the season um i find as many as i can and uh so let, let me ask you this jared before we get too much further into this if you had to put a number on the number of turkeys you've killed since you've been in Alabama, what would it be? Over a hundred. That's uh, a lot of turkeys. I'm figuring, <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot. I'm figuring uh, 130, 120, 130, wow. something like that. That's Not, crazy. I can't, I can't even remember them. I fell in love a long time ago when I moved here with the duck hunting background and calling birds in. Oh God, I fell in love with it. And, uh, yeah. Didn't know what we was doing back then, but man. Not a lot of people great. can say that, that they've killed 130 turkeys. Nah. Yes, nah. that's crazy. How old are you, Jared? I'm 49. Fixing to be 50. Yeah. That's a lot yeah. of birds, man. 
So yep, I've held a lot of feet. Just to kind of to kind of set up this whole episode, you know, you told everybody kind of where you grew up and you know how you got started, somewhat how you got started. But um, I'm really interested in hearing what you got to say about scouting for turkeys because we really hadn't had a guest go into that, have we, Dustin? No, not that I know of. And I think that's an important part that a lot of people don't talk about. Like before the season comes, like right. what you do to prepare yourself to get ready for the upcoming spring turkeys. You know? Oh, that's easy. Uh, I love to walk and um, I love turkeys. So instead of worrying about deer, I like to walk and look for turkeys. Uh, you know, just walk them ridges, look for scratching and scat. Uh, it's good exercise and it's just fun to me. So comes natural and uh so you actually start during deer season oh i, I do it all year long right there's right. not a time I'm in the woods i'm trapping i'm not looking for a track uh uh you know that's a advantage of being a trapper too because you can walk a lot of ground and find them stuff like that and uh but you know once you find them areas and I, you have to think i grew up you know pretty much in this area uh, I know the land and stuff like that, so I know where they want to be. So you just go to them areas and power walk. Uh, you might bust them up, but it doesn't matter. Go back next day or a couple of days later, and they'll be there again. Uh, keep doing that, they'll be gone. But um, I, I get that little kid of mine, and he'll he'll walk, and he'll poke his head over the hills, and he looks, and uh, we find a lot of turkeys that way. And then I just make note of it and go back and, you know, call. Um, I don't call a lot. I'm not a good caller. Uh, I'm a good caller. I'm not a great caller. I'll put it that way. Uh, a lot of people think I'm an expert caller, but I'm not, man. I'm more of a scouter, woodsmanship, stuff like that. But I know when to call. That's important. Right. You know, uh, late in the season's different. Early in the season's a little different. You know, uh, and they're in their winter patterns. They're, uh, bought together. So, so you, know, you don't want to be too. Let's say ahead, the first, like, a couple of weeks before turkey season and you out scouting, what is the main thing you're looking for more than anything? Uh, all of it. Tracks, poops, uh, scratching, um, strut zones, uh, stuff like that. Feathers. Yeah. Um, you know, tall so, trees. I like tall trees where they're going to roost, uh, even though they will roost in short, short, thick pines. I used to not believe that, but man, they do. Yeah. And, uh, Water, look for water, stuff like that, stuff they can eat, grass, stuff so, like that. And piles. Legend <laughs> legend has it that if uh Jared James Smith finds a big gobbler track, he's dead. Is that true? <laughs> That's what they say about me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh That's I find this track, it ain't long. Yeah. Won't be yeah. long now. Yeah, I stay on top of him. I find a track, I said, Well, he's fresh, I ain't no and I'll concentrate on him, see where he's going, and I'll backtrack him and follow it and see where he's wanting to go. Yeah. Man, seven times out of ten, he, you'll usually see him. Uh, and I done taught Jake to do it. He'll run and go ahead and bust him. I'm like, dang, Jake, but we'll follow him tracks. And I'm pretty confident that if I find him before anybody else does, you know, he'll be dead within a couple of days. Yeah. But it's uh, it was tried and true, tried and true old school turkey hunting. I, I think that's that's huge as a turkey hunter because i feel like as a whole most people that are turkey hunting care more about finding a turkey that's gobbling than finding where he's been walking does that make sense 
Yeah, because yeah, I mean, like for an average guy, you're trying to locate a bird, right? But if you actually like Jared and get on some tracks, yeah, then you're pretty much locating him in a quiet way, right? Right, exactly. And you're not educating him like as if we were doing, you know, we're going out there hooting, yeah, calling to him, yeah, stuff like that, yeah, yeah. Because once they get educated, it's a little bit harder, right? So I don't out hoot. Oh, I don't out. Oh, I let everything. (laughs) Did he just say don't out hoot? I do not out hoot. I used to. Man, I man, I located a lot of birds, but I stopped. Everybody would hear me, uh, know where I'm hunting at. I let it all happen naturally, man. I let the sun come up and everything come to life, and I listen. I get on a ridge and I'll listen. Uh, I don't make no calls, no trying to locate them, nothing. Sooner or later, something will happen. You'll hear something. Uh, and that's where scouting comes into play if you find you a good area and you know turkeys has been there in the last two or three days. Uh, so especially if you know let me ask this jared because i'm i'm curious is yeah. that something that you just figured out on your own throughout your turkey hunting career or did somebody teach you to not try to locate turkeys like that i do locate turkeys too but i don't i don't uh i'll hoot what i'll do is well what it, what it comes down to is uh pressure where we hunt that's a lot of pressure so i try to be quiet and sneaky going in walk a ridge and uh set up and let everything come to life and listen and the main thing i listen for is wings you know (laughs) that's what you listen for because everybody says oh them birds are silent right now but they're not silent they're not uh ghost they're gonna make a little noise you're gonna hear uh, feet scratching on the branches bark falling a little bit of tree yelp stuff like that you're gonna hear stuff uh, but I listen for that faint, faint wing flap just in the distance. Uh, you know, then I'll try to cut them off. But when they're aggressive and you check his temperature and you know he's wanting to play, then you can call more to him. But, uh, it's, it's all out of, a um, hunting public land growing up, trying to be sneaky. And I learned, yeah. you know, that's, that, uh, that's how you do it really. Cause you're letting mother nature take its place. If you hear one gobble, what I do is, uh, if he gobbles, I'll cut real soft. I won't yelp to him. I'll go boop, 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 just like that and stop. And I guarantee you, 10, 15, or 10 minutes, not even maybe 10 minutes, he'll gobble back. Curious as heck. Don't answer him. Just let him sit there and stew in it. And then hit him with three soft tree yelps. Just put your calls away if you want to. Just wait it out. Uh, You'll hear something come up pretty soon. Not unless he gets intercepted by hands. There's lots of stuff that can happen. But nine times out of ten, I'm killing that turkey right there. That's an easy, that's right. an easy hunt. He could be 300, 400 yards away. Uh, if there's no other hunters between you and he's got a first thing I'll look for is a path of least resistance, right? Dirt roads, uh, you know, any kind of pathway. And then I set up that way. Uh, I hear him, you know, stuff like that, but. If you just go in there and know when they're roosting, cut in, hear their wings flapping, and then you might get lucky and hear some gobbles that morning. Then you can alter your plans. You know what I mean? Yeah, like you can kind of pinpoint it a little bit more. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Or drop a pin on it. So, oh, just don't do that either. Just pins. I don't have wing cams. All that stuff. I, I don't do none of that. I'm old school. On oh, that. you're old school. All right. So, yeah. For a guy like me, uh, I mean, I love turkey hunting. I love going. But it doesn't really matter to me if I kill one or not. Now, 
If I'm on a trigger, yeah, I love it. But when you're locating birds on private ground, do you go about it in the same way as if you would on public? No, private ground, and uh, ain't too many people been hunting. You can talk to them more, but I do start off my mornings the same. Uh, okay, so you're, you're quiet in the mornings. You know, yep. once everything quiet. starts waking up, you can kind of hear everything coming alive. Yep. And yep. It, okay, that's really one of the best tips I could ever tell you too, because that's really paid off for me over the years. Just right. like everything coming alive, and crows and birds, and you'll see stuff. And you want to call so bad. I took the NFL guy. A I was just years about ago. to say that call so bad. You know, pers- people like us, right? And yep. Once we yep. hear that first gobble. It's oh, like, man, man you, you got to yelp one time. But we've also learned to stop. But people yep. that's listening to this podcast. A lot of people in the same That, field. yeah, they get excited. They get overwhelmed. Oh, I just want to hear the bird one more time. Bird, gobble one more time. Nah, you know, especially that. that first year, <laughs> you know, that first opening day of turkey season, that the gobbler's gobbling. Or he, he might not gobble until you owl call or hoot or, you know, uh, you know, yelp a couple of times, but like Jared's saying is, is that you ain't got to do nothing. Let the woods come alive on its own. And then basically they're setting their self up for failure. Yeah. They're turkeys. Exactly. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you know where they at. You're not, you're not sure where they going, but. So who was the NFL guy you took, Jared? Yeah, I took big Corey Cunningham. We call him big country. He's six, six, three twenty. plays for the giants now, but he, he was with the Patriots. And, uh, I took him, and um, he was sitting there waiting, waiting for me to call that morning. And I let the sun come up, and he could tell he was like, "Just like, when are you gonna call? What's what are you doing?" All of a sudden, I just did three soft tree yelps, man. And uh, about two hundred yards away, we heard big old gobble. Well, he was facing away, and behind me, he was facing back that way, and I was facing this way, and he couldn't move, but he he likes to text a lot, so he he's texting me. Uh, there's a hen in front of me, and I never look at my phone when I'm hunting, man. It's just, I wanted to see what time it was. And I looked at my phone, and I saw that message. And I looked up, and there was a hen in front of me. I said, there's one in front of me. I texted in the washer. She cut off across the dirt road. Well, I was watching, watching. I said, I'm going to call her back, and she can be my decoy. Uh, I called her back with some soft little clucks and yelps, scratched the leaves, and she come right back in. I was looking around, and Lo and behold, man, most beautiful triple beard gobbler you ever seen come right in with his head red, sitting right over there, right there, 40 yards from me, mm. looking straight at me. Had one hand on that phone, and my gun was on my right shoulder, and I shoot that three and a half inch, and I shot, boom, one-handed, but it was like I had a good rest. And that sucker flopped. I didn't even know he had three beards. I went over there and said, oh, my God. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Corey, he's like, you find his track, he's dead, boy. He's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the NFL, man. So it's pretty, it's a good story. Um, we killed some birds together, me and him, over the years. That old saying might stick. Yep. Find his track, he's dead. I got a place for that one to go. <laughs> Erica's got a question for you, Jared, if you're ready. Is there ever a time when you start really cutting back up with a with the talking turkey, or are you always pretty much quiet once they start gobbling at you? If I want to kill him, I'm quiet. I'm quiet. Okay. Uh, it kills me. Uh, you know, a Jake or something gobbling, and I'll cut to him, or if it's on some private land and I, I got permission, and, but it stops and I can't go on their land, then I'll do it. He's gobbling over there. Yeah, I'll do anything I can to, to get his, you know, get him excited. Gotcha. But nine times out of ten, 
if you just do the simple, you know, scratch leaves and cluck and just do three yelps and that's it. You know, he, you know, he hears you. That's what I do. And, you know, that's a, what's your favorite time of the day to kill, kill turkey? Oh, any like, time. Any, if you had to pick two or three hours out of a day, which two or three hours would you go? The best time would be uh, morning time, getting them gobbling. But the best time to kill them is between 10 and 12 to me, I guess. Because, uh, you know, a lot of times they'll lose them hands and they've heard you. And that's where I do something else a lot of people know is uh, I call it the loop. I'll make a big loop. I'll start off in one hill and then if nothing happens that morning, I want to stretch my legs. I'll make a a, bit, a good walk and stuff, you know, something quiet. And then I always come back to that spot after lunch, and then I'll rest right there. And a lot of times that gobbler, he remembers you. Uh, he just was with hands or something like that, and you know, but he'll remember where you're at, and you ain't got to do much calling, just a little bit like I told you. And, uh, man, I've killed a lot of birds in the evening where I started off that morning. So you get that road down, Ricky? That loop. And that, that loop. Most of the time, loop. everybody else is at the Waffle House. By, by <laughs> 10 o'clock. Oh, I'm possessed, bro. I ain't leaving them woods. Yeah. I don't, you know, like I say, I don't, uh, I used to be a passionate deer hunter, and a lot of my scouting comes from the deer walking in woods. Well, a lot of my turkey scouting skills has come for that. Uh, right. You always find scouting looking for deer and stuff like that. So, but. What were you saying again, buddy? No, I was just saying that most people that by ten to twelve, everybody else is at the Waffle House, and you're still in the woods. That's a good time to be in the woods. Great time. Yeah, that's a great time. You can uh, just keep moving fifty or you know fifty yards and set up again and do a, a another little soft few cups and scratch the leaves and be quiet for an hour, then do it again. Go down fifty or sixty yards, get you a good view. Uh, Banner and Generet taught me walk like an Indian as quiet as you can to the next point. And uh, I hunt a lot of times turkeys standing up. I feel so many turkeys standing up, I ain't funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I can't kill well, one sitting down, much less standing up. <laughs> so you don't use they a blind or anything when you go? No, I never used a blind, never used game cameras, none of that stuff. What I do is, I, you know, you walk, stretching them legs, your knees hurt, you want to walk. So you walk and, and get up to a tree where you can lean against and break your silhouette up and keep your eyes peeled. And you always got to do it like on a dirt road or something, sandy creek, something like that. You don't want to go buzzing through the leaves like that. Right. But uh, just keep your eyes peeled. And uh, Jake, Jake's doing it now, man, seven years old. And walk and poke your head over every little hill, every little log, every – Every little thing where he can't see you, but you can see ahead. And you just keep walking like that right there. And if you see one, man, I've seen stuff before. I thought it was a crow or something, something tiny black. And then I just set up, called. It was like a minute later, here comes a big old gobbler spitting drumming like four foot from me on public That's land. That's wow. Jared, Jared's one of them guys you'd have to sit and talk to him for like three days to absorb all this stuff. Yeah, he's got so much knowledge <laughs> built in that head. But. So I went, I went hunting with this guy one time, Jared, and I'm going to just say, I don't really like the guy, but, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm a firm believer that you can learn something from everybody. So I went turkey hunting with this guy. I actually brought him turkey hunting on my place, which was a huge mistake. One of them guys, but, 
Um, I watched this guy walking around in the woods and he did something that a lot of people would never think about. He walked extremely slow and every other step that he took, he would twist his boots side to side like a turkey scratching in the leaves. Really? Yeah. And about every yeah. 10 steps, he would purr. And he, yeah. I mean, that's so it's almost kind of like, like a turkey reminiscent. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And even though I didn't like that guy, I learned something from that guy. Right. So you ever you tried know, to do that? Yeah. I've started doing it since I went hunting. It's like the two guy. step now. <laughs> yeah. But I think yeah. I need some better walking boots for that. Once I got so big and bulky. Yeah. And then another thing when you're scratching, scratching sequence, don't just shush, shush, scratch like two of them, then one. Two and one, Ricky. Mm-hmm. Yep. Two and one. So, like that. so Jared, do you use like a uh, like a wing like for a fly down? No. Uh-uh. What I do, and even at times, I'll uh, do a fly up tackle. Okay. Just, that sounds crazy, but uh, like I say, I learned on my own, bro. I had never been taught by nobody. I had to learn what to do at a young age that that turkey, that gobbler is on the roost. Okay, and I kind of wait till he's pretty much in his area or fixed on the roost. And then I'll fly up and take my hat and I'll hit my leg and hit the tree a little bit. Right. And then I'll walk about 10 yards and I'll do it again and uh, do it again three so, times. And it's a flock of hens going to, going to roost that he don't know about. So all night long, he's sitting there thinking about them. So when he wakes up, I guarantee you he's thinking about them. So uh, that, that just puts it a little bit to your advantage. In the mornings, uh, I got I got a buddy. We kill turkeys together. You know, he brings a wing, and it sounds good. I like it, but uh, I just don't personally do it. All right. So, I, I'm for a listener, for a listener, Jared, you can also use a hat. You don't have to use a wing. You can use your hat that you're hunting with, and just you know, pop, 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 you know, like on your leg. It sounds almost just like a wing. My dad has used this hat his whole life. Right. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to carry something extra in your arsenal. To, so. To set up on a bird as they fly down or fly up. Let me get this straight, Jared. So, the basically what you're saying is, is that something you would do after you've roosted a bird in the evening time? You would want to do the three fly ups to make him think that there's two or three hens right there close to him. Exactly, because he's he's already he already knows where some real hens are roosted. I guarantee you that he knows, unless he got busted up. Right, uh, that's on his mind. So what you do is give him three new ones to think about, and they're pimp days. They want another one and another one, and that's what gets them killed. But they, uh, he's sitting there stewing on it all night, thinking about it. And the next morning, a few little soft, you know, he'll fly down your way. Uh, sometimes he'll fly down with them, but he still remember that. And then when you call him, it's a little bit easier, you know, midday or something. So I always, I don't always do that, but I do that a lot. And so, I won a Yeti a big turkey contest doing that one. I didn't know where to hunt. And a guy on a four-wheeler come in there and busting bust some up that next, that evening before the big hunt. And uh, I didn't know where to go. I was walking out to the truck, and I said, shoot, I know they roost in here somewhere. So I did that fly-up cackle next morning. I sat there, and I called. It could have been a coincidence, but uh, he come on in there, and I killed him. He had like a 13-inch beard. and uh, Wow. No, no, no. He had a tw- he had twelve inch beard. That one did, and like an inch and a quarter spurs. But it won a cooler, a Yeti cooler, 
I thought that was pretty neat. But I always, I always use that trick. You know, I keep it in the back of my mind a lot. So as far as getting a bird to gobble in the evening time, just to know where he's roosted, what's your go-to for that? You know, some guys use owl hooters. Some guys use natural voice and just hoot like an owl. Some guys do the coyote howl. What's your, what's your thing? Only thing I do is, uh, I got a, a homemade, uh, crow call that a man in the mountains made for me from Tennessee. And I'll hit it sometimes, uh, real sharp, two or three. <laughs> That's about it. Uh, other than that, I just kind of scout, learn where they go, where they, what they're doing. And then I don't really call to them much until I. So you've gotten turkeys to gobble in the evening time at that crow call. In midday, more midday. More not midday. Late. Yeah. So late in the evening, you don't necessarily even just try to get them to gobble. You're just trying to trying to get close to where they fly up. Exactly. Some yeah. fellas might, but I don't. Like it goes back to that natural thing. Right. A lot of times you'll hear a, you'll hear a lot of crows. You know that. If you hear a lot of crows, you go over there. It's usually roosted turkey. Y'all, y'all know that? What's that? If, uh, right there late, right before dark, if you hear your crows going crazy, Nine out of ten, it's a roosted turkey right there. All right, hold up. I'm writing I, this down. I just learned something new on that one. Say yep, that. Never say, that, that. say that one more time, Jared, for the people listening, because I, I don't think anybody's ever said that on our podcast for sure. I've never heard that in my <laughs> life, period. <laughs> well, right there at dark, crows are already going to bed pretty much, but if you hear a bunch of them going crazy, nine times out of ten, it's usually a, a roosted turkey right there. Uh, I've learned that and checked it out, and it's a roosted turkey. They're just why else are they going that crazy? You know, right. so yeah, that that I guess that's a good tip. I never thought, not, I knew I thought everybody knew that. <laughs> no, never no. heard of that one. I mean, if you think about it, it makes sense because most of the time, get around dark, crows are pretty silent, yeah, unless they have a reason to not be, you know, exactly. That's right. That's, so, uh, so Jared, I got, I got a question for you. Well, damn, I don't know if I can even use that question because. He don't he don't use any calls to locate turkeys. I was about to ask you, have you ever used a coyote call to locate some birds? Nope, nope, never. Because a lot of a lot of these guys nowadays are using instead of using owl calls and crow calls, they they yeah. shoot more for the howling noise in the evenings to roost birds for the next morning. Yeah, Shane and, Simpson has made that like the the biggest fad. Yeah, I mean they kill tons of birds too. So I didn't More know if birds. you. Woodpecker works too. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, uh, lots of stuff at work. Slamming the door, of the truck, <laughs> blowing the horn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> clapping your hands. I don't know who. So, it's gonna happen. So that bird is ready. He's gobbling now. Last two years ago, man, I had a bird. I hunted him pretty hard, and I think he was an old bird. Uh, I couldn't get him. You know, I never could hear him gobble. I sat there. I took my vacation. I was there a whole week. And uh, he wouldn't gobble. All of a sudden, a train went by, and he gobbled his head off two or three times when that train just, Aah! and I said, oh, man, I called that turkey. I never did kill that turkey. Wow. That was that was crazy. I'll never forget that. And then there's a there's an old donkey on, a, on one place I hunt, and when he goes off, a turkey will gobble at him a lot. Oh, yeah. You know, I had a spot last year where I was trying, trying to – you know, figure out where turkeys were in the morning time. And I went to this place two or three mornings in a row, owl hooting and 
you know, a little bit after daylight, I would cut a little bit just to see if there was any turkeys gobbling in the area, and they never gobbled. So, like the third morning, I go out there and I owl hoot, and I, I made a few yelps and cuts and didn't hear anything. And like thirty minutes after daylight, a goose flies over, and when this goose honked, when he got right above me, two turkeys cut down gobbling like eighty yards from me, and oh, they had yeah. to be looking at me the whole time, <laughs> and it like. That goose made them fire off, and I'm like, this is crazy. So that then shot. I went and bought a goose called Dustin Hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Dustin yeah, I said, what the hell is that? <laughs> we ain't goose hunting out here. You Remember, know? we did get one to gobble. Yeah, we did get one to gobble. But uh, Ricky got some weird birds over there. <laughs> <laughs> you hear me, Jerry? R- Ricky's birds, don't they don't come off the limb till like 830. Yeah, man, it's weird. They, they'll stay in the tree, dude, till That's 9 o'clock good. sometimes. I've never yeah. seen turkeys stay in the limb that long. Oh man, yeah, I have. Yeah, I had a clear. I mean, like bird locally, feed. like yeah. I mean, I was just. Yeah, I mean, yeah. all the birds are on the ground except a lot of places around here. Except the longbeards, they, they off the limb before it's really even daylight. You know, like yeah, as soon as it's cracking light and it's clear, they so flying down. But I got a serious life or death question for you, Jared. And right. if you don't want to tell me, I understand this crow call you're talking about that this man in the mountains made. Is there any possibility to to get one of those calls? Yeah, uh, everything's possible. I got one. How much? It, how much you want to give me? <laughs> well, I've been I've been looking really hard for a raspy pro call. I, I ain't really supposed to talk about him, uh, the other calls because I'm on a pro staff with another call company, but he doesn't make crow calls. So I can talk about this guy. He was a uh, his name was uh, Dino Tipton. That was his name. And he's on Facebook now, I think. Uh, Spell his name for me if you don't. Dino. T-I-P-T-O-N. But it was Spur Ridge Calls back then. And uh, he had a, a company. And uh, I was on his pro staff. And, man, that pro call was good. But that's, he went out of business. So So I'm going to have to just I'm see on, if I can dig one up, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll do some looking around for you. Yeah. I'm sure you've seen the same thing I have. Most most crow calls on the market today sound like a kazoo. <laughs> you, know, like, yeah. you know, they yeah. just sound like a kid's toy. And, uh, man, we wear crows out with it in the summertime just playing around. It sounds real good. So, Jared, you, you ever go out of state or anything hunting? No, I ain't never been out of state hunting. Wow. Never. Yeah, I said, so pretty much all your turkeys, they come from Alabama? Or you, you yep. got some from Louisiana or no? No, no. I've never hunted anywhere but uh, Alabama. That's crazy. I hear that train, that turkey guy. Well, you heard it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Y'all be listening to Paul Wonky. <laughs> the train's <laughs> That one was close, too. I knew he was in that area that day, but uh, I didn't know where. He was roosting on a clear cut, but that right. day I just had a go down in these tall select cut pines with an edge on it, and I sat there and Nothing was happening. I was thinking about moving, and that train went off, and it was pouring down rain that morning. I'll never forget. I was getting soaking wet, and I was like, man, I need to move. Go find me a, someplace to sit. And that train went out in the rain, and that sucker just said, oh, he double gobbled. I said, oh, my God, this is that. It's crazy what they'll gobble at sometimes. But yeah, I, I have I, – I, I hunted a place one time where they had a donkey, and it was about 11 o'clock in the morning. I had never heard a bird, and they had a donkey started braying, and it was like gobbles everywhere. <laughs> like five different turkeys started gobbling. 
Jared, you yep, killed any yeah. birds in the rain? Oh, tons of them. I love hunting in the rain. That's good to know. I've been getting wet, and uh, you have to, you know, do something with your calls, put them in Ziploc bags or whatever if you're using a pot call. But uh, most time, I just take my mouth call, and I try to find cover. If I do go to, like, a hunt club or something, I'll get in a shooting house or blind. I don't, I don't hunt out of blinds much, but if it's pouring down rain, I'll get somewhere. And right after it stops raining, do a few soft calls, and, man, it all comes together. It doesn't have to stop raining, just slack off a little bit. Right. And that's that's a magical time. Right before, when it starts drizzling, if it gets hard, I've, I've been watching them drizzling out there, and they'll be out there feeding and stuff. And it start raining a little bit harder, a little bit harder, and all of a sudden you send us all run, taking cover in short pines or whatever. And soon as it, man, as soon as it slacks off, here comes one hen, then another hen, then here they come, you know. So that's an awesome time. Another thing, they love to walk in mud in the rain and right after a run. That, I mean, they just love it. That's, that's their weakness. So anytime you see, um, like tracks and dirt roads or something like that, usually it's after a rain. A lot of times that would be because of because of the ground the, the, the ground getting softer wouldn't have anything to do with that like worms coming up out of the soft ground or anything i really don't know buddy i don't know all i know is i always just say they love the feeling on their toes for some reason because yeah. my, my uh, thinking would be like because I, I know sometimes around here if it rains a lot you'll see worms and stuff come up out of the soft ground right so that may have exactly. something to do with it. I don't know. I'm just, you know, throwing an idea. Well, I know there. when I find a mud hole somewhere, it's got tons of turkey tracks in it. Right. You know, yeah, but I don't know a lot of the scientific stuff about it, but I know I'm in the woods a lot and pretty much every day trapping. So I see, you know, I can see there ain't no fresh tracks. And like, you can tell there would be a fresh track. It ain't hard dirt, but it's right. dusty. Uh, nothing, nothing, nothing. And it rains. There it is. There's some tracks. Uh, that's just crazy how that happens every time. And you learn the stuff they do every time. Oh, it makes it a lot easier keeping turkeys. Yeah. What's the biggest mistake you think new turkey hunters make? Probably over calling or calling too loud, uh, knowing not when to call, uh, stuff like that. And a lot of movement, but movement's not as bad because they hear stuff in the woods scratching and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so Jerry, for a beginner turkey hunter, right? Just say if he's been turkey hunting two or three years, but he doesn't know a whole lot, and he's he may have gotten on some birds, but has never been successful at killing them. If you were going to hunt a piece of property, whether it be public or private, what, you know, I mean, I, I know you say you don't call or you don't use any calls to locate the birds, but if you heard a turkey gobble, how would you go about explaining to you know kind of interact or get a better location of where the bird is and if you do locate a bird without calling to him and you wanted him to know that you were there what would you use or like what kind of yelps or would you use well it depends if it's early season a lot of leaves are gone so uh a gobble you know it could be a you can hear him a lot further and late in the season all that foliage is on a tree you might think he's further but he's right there so if I hear one, that depends a lot on it. You know, I kind of judge how far he is. And the, the very first thing I do after that is find the path of least resistance 100%. Find a dirt road, a trail, a fire lane, fire break, uh, 
any kind of fence row that's clean, anything that he's going to use, even though they will go in some short, short, thick, tangled up pines, I've seen them do it. Right. Nine times out of ten, he's going to go path of least resistance. A ridge top, uh, if you're in like select cut pines with a lot of briars and there's a little fire break through there, he'll come in that and he'll stop. Uh, you won't see, uh, you won't see him but a second, you know. Right. He'll be right there and then gone. Come right in there and you just have to, especially these solid birds, you have to be ready. That's another thing. Always keep the gun ready and focus like you're fixing a sheet and you just got to kind of, you don't, you know they're in an area, but you won't, um, you won't know they're there. But as far as like hear one gobble and you go and set up on him, I find that path of least resistance and get as close as I think he is without getting too close. That's just old school, typical. And stuff don't there. call. And, and don't call yet. All right. Get set up. Get everything face mask. I always keep my face mask pretty much on or around my neck. I keep everything all ready. Get set up, done, ready, ready to shoot. And I always get on a little ridge or something where I can see down. A lot of times turkeys want to go up up that ridge or something. They don't want to go down it. Right. So I'll sit on the highest point and I kind of see where I can see a good distance and nothing in front of my gun. If I have to swing, he might come up to my left, back left, and I want to be able to, you know, cut or something, then put my gun right on him and use a split second to shoot. But what I'll do is I'll get, you know, I'll settle in and then I'll just throw out a couple yelps and a few cuts, not cuts, a clucks, a few clucks, and then I'll scratch the leaves. All soft, not real hard. See what happens. Uh, right. Let him let him tell me what he wants to do then. Uh, if, he, if he didn't hear me, might be a little windier and I didn't do it. I don't want to. I'll do it just a little bit louder, but I won't do it for about 20 minutes. Then I'll do it a little bit louder. Uh, then, you know, trying to see if he heard that. Then I'll right. do it again 20, 20 minutes later. And you can do the same calls uh, or you can switch mouth calls. I'll switch them sometimes and, or whatever. But uh, I'll do that and then, you know, see what he wants to do. Nothing nothing happened. A lot of times I'll sit there till dark and then kind of just see what happens. But if not, sometimes I don't really go after him because I learned over the years, every time I do go after him like that, if I have him already 80, 80 yards or so from him, I usually end up scaring him. Right. So, uh, but if you're scouting and you scare him, that's, you know, you could go back and then. That's what, yeah, that's kind of like one thing. But if yeah, you exactly. if you hunting and scare them, yeah, uh, you calling them. If you calling them and uh, they're working and all this stuff and you spook them, whatever, man, you just made it harder on them turkeys. Right, uh, they don't forget that. So for anybody that's listening and you're a new turkey hunter, don't go out there just blowing all them damn calls because you ain't doing nothing but educating the birds. And yeah. when we say when we say about educating the birds, don't go out there yepping. Don't go out there owl calling. Just go out there and listen. Cut the truck off. Yeah. Slam the door. If you don't gobble at the door, I mean, that's probably the easiest gobble right there. The, yeah. the slam of a truck door or a horn blow. What I've seen a lot of times is that even if they don't gobble at daylight, when the crows start gutting up, you know, a little bit after daylight, a lot of times they'll gobble. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. A lot yep. of times... A lot of times it ain't nothing that strikes them either. It's just their natural instinct to gobble because they want some hens to come to them and the other hens done left or something like that. They didn't have to gobble that morning. Right. Uh, later on in the day, them hens, you know, they wander off, feed, go to nest and stuff like that. And that gobbler, you won't, sometimes you won't even hear him gobble, but once all day and it's like 1045, you know, you're sitting there thinking, dang, you're about to die tired and them been walk, you know, walking miles and stuff. 
at 10.45, 11 o'clock, he'll just gobble. Uh, I'll yeah. tell you another thing. Clear cuts, anytime I'm walking around, clear cuts, big old cutovers, you wouldn't think turkeys would really like them, but they love them. They like to get out there in the middle of them where they can strut and see forever. Right. Uh, I was walking one, it was on public land, and uh, I was dog tired, man. It was one o'clock. And I was starving, and I had some beanie weenies up the truck. And I was, <laughs> <laughs> them old beanie weenies. Yeah. Beanie weenies and honey bun. And I said, I got to make it to the truck. Like, I ain't ate nothing all morning. And I'm walking in hills. And uh, I was walking back to the truck, and I looked at that clear cut every time I hunt that area. Every time for years. Never see turkey in this cutover. All of a sudden, there's two Volkswagens standing out there strutting out there. <laughs> <laughs> I said, God almighty. And the wind was blowing, and fans, and they were huge. And them fans was just blowing in the wind out there in this big old huge cutover. I didn't have no binoculars or nothing. I instantly set up, and a path of least resistance, there was a little fire break that come all the way out. They were only like a fire break that went through that cutover. And they, uh, I sat down right down there, and I, I called. Just a few little soft yelps, and uh, I think I did a cut. When I say cut, it's like a pop, pop, pop. Just like that. Uh, so I did that, and both of them just broke strut and come running, man. They was running, 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 running. I sat there waiting, waiting. I heard them behind me. I couldn't ever see. They went across the dirt road, went right behind me, and just kept on going. I never did kill them birds. But I'll never forget that story. That was beautiful. Yeah, I bet that was. That's pretty good there. So Good area to look. And short Pines is a good area to look. A lot of people don't, you know, don't look for turkeys in them areas. Oh, but, yeah. Turkeys love that pine straw, though. Exactly. Exactly. So if you got a bird hung up, Jared, he's been gobbling on the roost, flew down, got silent. What do you do from that point on if you can't see him, you know, like actually see him, whether he's coming to you or not? Do you call to him or you hit soft yelps? Well, if, uh, if I don't know the area. Because a lot of birds I- here in Louisiana, as soon as they fly down, boom, they shut the mouth. Yep. Lockjaw. Same thing. Yep. I mean, same thing in Missouri in certain places. Like last year, you know, me and Ricky. Yeah. Uh, as soon as they 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 gobble their heads off on the, on the roost, but as soon as they hit the ground, it's over with. Yeah. And by that point, you don't know what direction they then went in. Oh yeah, maybe you got lucky and they come to you, but ninety five percent of the time they're going the opposite way. Well, if I know the area, I can set up where the where I know turkeys will be that evening. Find a strut zone you know, set up on a strut zone if he's not cooperating. But a lot of times what I'll do is I'll get as close as I can to him. Uh, if you got a, if you got a good trail or a dirt road, you know, try to get as close as you can to him and set up and then try to mimic the hen. If you hear the hen, just try to mimic her, especially the lead hen. If she's her, her cadence of yelps and she'll do it, uh, you'll see her raise her head a lot. You, you mimic her and then try to piss her off and she'll gradually come to you and uh, I've had him walk around the tree, like two or three times around the tree. And I'm sitting there holding a shotgun. It just pisses him off so bad, you know, and it just can't stand it. And I let him walk away. I won't do nothing. I let him walk away. And I don't do a lot of calling. I just try to mimic her and then, you know, right. get her attention and then let her be curious and investigate and then play her from there. And after they walk away, I do it again. I just try to piss her off. <laughs> and a lot of times. Basically, you're yeah. using a live decoy right there in your lap. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I don't use real decoys. I use real decoys. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's- I'm with That's- you. So, so, so you don't use decoy. Do you don't set any decoys or nothing. No, never have. Never own one. Wow. 
Yep. And and you've killed how many turkeys? <laughs> Hundreds. I'll 120. <laughs> 120. No decoys. We actually had a hen last year, Jared. We looking at three long beards hung up on a ridge strutting for uh, what two hours at least, and it was kind of like we was in a spot we really couldn't move without making a, a ton of noise and we basically just had to hope that these birds would eventually stop strutting and come to us so we just weren't calling or anything we we had called enough for them to start strutting and know we were there but they just i mean they that was their spot you know yeah. and uh after about i don't know a little over two hours one of the birds finally broke strut and when he broke strut, the other two broke strut, and they're coming straight at us, like on a fast walk. And I'm like, "Oh, it's going down. We fixed right. a double, you know." And dude, this hen comes running wide open, cutting mm-hmm. down the ridge, and actually hit one of those gobblers. Like <laughs> I'm talking about, like like a linebacker, just boom. And when she hit him, all the turkeys flew off. Like damn, I mean, she ruined the whole hunt. <laughs> what? <Which, laughs> Kind of like with me and you last year, Dustin. Right. What we really should have done earlier that morning was, spooked them was just busted off. them the hell up and got the hen out of there, which yep. we didn't. We that's what we should. Yeah, have done. we kind of did like Jared was talking about. We we pissed the hen off like right, like she was mad as hell. But but we didn't spook her off. So what? And the birds were in between us. Right. I mean the gobbler. You know, we in between the birds. Should I say? Uh, the gobblers is to the left and the the hens come in from the right mm-hmm. and instead of us spooking the hens off we just let them we let them hang around we let them do what they do and guess what they did <laughs> that old teardrop you know what i mean go so, around yep. the damn tree get to the end 40 yards away here comes ricky's birds 8:30 off the roost yeah and then boom straight to the hens so i was going to ask you that earlier jared so is that something that you do try to bust up the flock you know in the mornings if if there's hens around and you feel like they're messing you up is that something you do no not really uh that's a good fall technique around here um that as far as they get enough busting on the public land i hunt anyway you know what i mean they get right. busted by everything the only everything. the only reason i was asking is because there's a lot of old time turkey hunters around here and that's like one of their go-to tactics if 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 they've been battling with these hens for a couple of days, spook them off. They'll try to spook the hens off before the gobblers even fly down to try to, to right. try to cut down on competing with the hen. Yep, and if you spook them off in the right direction, then the gobbler's pretty much going to fly. When he flies down, he's coming to you to get to right, which he don't know you're in the middle. But what's your opinion on that, Jared? I tell you what, I guess it makes good sense because I have busted them and set up and called right there. You know, not meaning to bust them right. and killed. And once you uh, spook them hens off, they go to cutting, you know, real hard. So yeah. that'll bring the gobbler out the tree or bring him to you in range to shoot, you know. So you, your preferred method is to try to keep the hens around for like a live decoy. Yes. Yeah, I like that. Just they do in the purring, they do in the cooking, the scratching and all that stuff, you know, and plus a visual when they do get close, they know uh, a Jake, anything. I like anything around. Right, uh, right. You know. Uh, I, I, I guess I guess that's a little bit it's a little bit hard for me to think like that because especially in the last two or three years I've had that one old hen that just was like 
she ain't having it. Right. She ain't going to let the gobbler come to me no matter what. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and I've called hens right up to my tree like me and you did, Dustin, mm-hmm. just cutting and going crazy. And, and I've been like, all right, well, she's right here. I ain't got to say another word. And then it's she's, like, almost she's like, going to do all the work for you. Like she knew that I was hunting. So she would just take him <laughs> on, you know, she carry him 200 yards the other way. So I, I guess it's hard for me to think like that, but yeah, it's, it's definitely something to think about. There was a, there was a, like three or four Jakes and a big long beard in the field one day. They were all flocked together, I guess. And, uh, I busted them all up and I said, well, I ain't got nothing else to lose. And I sat there for about 45 minutes and it was getting close to dark and I didn't call and I just wanted to listen and see where they were roosting, where he was roosting. I saw him running across this field with a big old rope hanging. So I said, I just want to hear where he roosts. So I sat there and then I just did a few little clucks and purrs and just scratched the leaves a little bit real light. And right before dark, he come right to the edge of that field and and bowed up, big old strut, and then let loose and started walking away like he was going to his roost. Uh, I shot him. He didn't he make had, it. <laughs> didn't go 20. Saw him about some hooks on that, baby. Right at an inch and three-quarter, man. Oh, wow. Woo. Dude, that's, that's daggers. So and, uh, I'm going to assume that's probably the latest you've ever killed a turkey, huh? Yeah, yep. It was right at dark, right before dark. That's and crazy. the only reason I think it was that late is because he got busted up, and I was I was doing Jake yelps because there were other, you know, little, I saw their little heads, there were Jakes. So I was doing Jake yelps trying to let him think that the Jakes were already out there and they right. were going to get together or whatever. And I don't know what he was doing with Jakes, but they were together. And so I just did a few little Jake yelps, and he come on in there. And it might have been a coincidence. He might have been going to roost that way, and I bust him, and he ran this way, and Jake did run the opposite way, you know. So mm-hmm. that's what actually happened, but it all worked. So that's I've pretty crazy. A lot of people are intimidated by certain things messing up, and uh, the older I get, I don't, I don't really care. I just want to, you know, be out there and have fun. And man, I see just as many turkeys just being not moving around. Of course, right. they're gonna bust you. But Walking, being quiet, walking, you know, scouting and getting exercise. Uh, I see a lot of turkeys that way, like fly out of a cut over our scare. They just saw movement. They don't know. You Especially springtime. I mean, you're feeling good, you know. You know it's yeah, the summer's yeah. coming. You know it's yeah, turkey man. season. Especially you. You know it's turkey season. You're probably out there like a damn marathon runner getting ready, huh? I'm old fat boy, but, you know, I'll say that. The doctor said my blood pressure is unreal for <laughs> But I, you know, but I'll see him and I'll go hey, back. Missouri would screw him all up. Oh, yeah. Yep. You can only hunt at 1 o'clock in Missouri. Jared, oh, no. I, I'll be honest. <laughs> he said, oh, no. I'll be honest with you, man. You, It would really be worth your while to go to Missouri turkey hunting just to see the size, the of, the size of the birds and the way they gobble. And it, I mean, if you get the opportunity, man, you really, really need to go. The only bad thing is you only get to hunt at one o'clock. Right, right. But the good thing about Missouri is they let that one o'clock period stop the hunters for the breeding period, yeah. which is yeah. good and bad. They have so many more turkeys. You right. know what I mean? I think yeah. their their logic behind it is just to let the hens be able to nest. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, give them time to lay and everything else. So, which is a good thing. So you've never really wanted to go out of state, Jared. Well, it's, uh, I have wanted to. I uh, thought about it, but I just 
just keep hunting here, you know. Been uh, so good in Alabama, he said the hell with it, huh? <laughs> I don't go out much, you know, out to the gallery and all that stuff. I don't do that. And I don't really go I don't really go much nowhere but work and home my family and into the woods and trapping keeps me busy and you know, I just stay outdoors fishing so I don't really want to go like every every year I say, I'm gonna go to Mississippi or somewhere like that. Right. Kentucky. I'm gonna go to Kentucky one day. And uh every you know, it's expensive and we got a family and stuff. I just you know, just kinda like I get in a little hunt club here and stuff like that and spend my money on trapping and I just don't do it. So one day I am gonna I am gonna do it. But Right. Well, you know, being in a state with liberal limit, like five, I mean, you know, like kind of hard to go anywhere here. We can only kill two birds, you know, so, you know, for the people that's hunting places where they got turkeys and limit out, you can be done hunting real quick, you know, so and some states you can only kill one. Yeah. Four this year. They went down to four now. So, yeah. I killed, last year, I killed four of the very first four days of the season. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. If he finds a track, he yeah. gone. So yeah. I, I killed five the first week of the season uh, uh, several several times. And uh, I never was on Facebook. And I got on Facebook. And Shit, I ain't seen things. five the whole season. <laughs> <I'm Ricky>. like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where the hell is he hunting at? What is he doing? And I'm like, man, I ain't no expert caller. I'll just scout, find them, and you know, play from there. That's how I grew up hunting. So, all right. Yeah. Yep. It's good to hear from uh, old school hunters. Right. Because right. we're in a new school way nowadays, and everybody that watches YouTube and watches this and does that, uh, you know, I mean, like all of us, I mean, Ricky, you ain't that much older than us, but right. I mean, we look at people like on YouTube nowadays and try to learn the best mm-hmm. that we could possibly be in what we're trying to pursue as far as turkey hunting. Turkey hunting's hard, period. Right. Uh, Unless you Jared James Smith. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No, no doubt about that. But for a hunt, for a new hunter, like even myself, I just get, no, like when hard. I hear that gobble, I like, I, I'm like, damn, I, I just I'm got to hear it I'm, one time. You I'm know? with you. I've messed myself up a lot. So, so Jared, that I think that hurts us more than it helps us. Right. It's good to hear an old school turkey hunter who's killed more turkeys than most people can even think about say that it's okay to not overcall. Right. And it's okay to not blow a crow call a hundred times in the morning or not owl hoot 50 times, you know, cause I mean, you've been in a home with Chitty, you go yeah. in there, you're going to hear a hundred people owl hooting throughout the morning. Yeah. And you know, it's good to hear somebody say that you can get it done without those type of things. See, I, when when Jared was talking about that a while ago, I thought he wasn't calling because he was listening for the callers to call. Right. That way he can locate where they were and he yeah. can go the opposite way or get a better position on the bird. Right. Yep. I hear him owl hooting a lot in the morning. Uh, <laughs> Hootie hoo. <laughs> <laughs> some of them pretty good and some of them not so good. So I, I stay away from them. Yeah, yeah. You hear that truck leave? Go in there, you know, and do your style of calling, and uh, see what's going on. And a lot of times, you didn't hear them shoot, unless you like me and bring a two and three quarter shell and shoot it in the air, just so people think you killed him. So you go back. (laughs) I'm writing that down, Jared. (laughs) Oh yes, indeed. 
That's that's actually a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know how I know that. <laughs> Done it a time or two, huh? Yeah. So, um, let's talk about the trapping side of it a little bit, Jared, because I don't think we've had a guest talk about that as far as relating to turkey hunting, but. Uh, just explain a little bit of why you do that and what you think it does for the turkey population. Well, I started out like a, as a boy in Louisiana, and my family did mink trapping and all that, you know, coons and stuff like that. So I always loved it, but I wasn't old enough to go with them. So as I got older, uh, I kept that love, and I always loved to catch anything. Right. Uh, so I started naturally catching raccoons and stuff like that, you know, just, just for fun, I guess. I don't know. But as I got older and fell in love with the turkey more, I started trapping to protect the nest. And uh, raccoons can just ravish nests. They can go to five, six nests a day. So it's, it's always good to get them out and your possums out and uh, – your bobcats and your fo- your fox club eggs too. All of them eat eggs, but the bobcats and the coyotes attack live ones. Uh, a big raccoon can eat a fawn too, but that you know that doesn't happen as much. Right. So I I started trapping different lands that I was turkey hunting that uh, didn't really have a great population of turkeys, but it was a uh, a lot of short pines and it had capability. And I started trapping it and. Uh, seen tracks everywhere, all kinds of predator tracks and started trapping it and they disappeared. And it seems like, uh, I'm seeing a, a lot more like hen tracks and stuff like that in that area. And it's good nesting area. So I'm figuring, you know, yeah, I know it helps. So I just, uh, I preach trapping to a lot of turkey hunters because it's a hundred percent. It helps. And, uh, it's also fun, good exercise. It keeps little man busy. He loves it. And, uh, you learn a lot. You're in the woods a lot. So it's really, a, it's just a heritage thing, you know, it's right. the way we do it and it's part of me. So I'm going to keep on doing it. But man, I really seen a difference in that land and uh, a lot of other lands that get trapped. They really. So you can like see that. the difference between trapping and non-trapping on properties. Think about it. Them turkeys don't really want to come into a pine thicket with just one little road going through it, okay? Right. Because predators are going to eat them alive. Well, now that I ain't seen all the tracks on them dirt roads, the turkeys are starting to walk them. And, you know, might be coincidence this year. They might have had some land that was cut on down the road and they wanted to come over there. I don't know, but I know. Well, I know for a fact, but I can't prove it. But I've seen a big difference in everybody who's trapped friends of mine have seen huge difference so that's pretty that's good why it's definitely not for the fur and all that stuff you know it's for right. predator control. good for the turkey population also good for the kids to get yeah. outside and you know yeah, learn you something a little make- different besides being stuck inside we that's we got it. we got some friends in missouri jared and this may be controversial to some people, so we're not going to name no names, but they took the post they, down. <laughs> they, they did something that I thought was really cool for the turkeys in that area, because I mean, you know, just like we do, there's not very many people trapping. Nobody's trapping to sell pelts anymore. And very few people really trap hard anymore. So they did a raccoon roundup and 
what they i mean they were legally killing coons and stuff but i mean they just put it on them dude how many did they kill 430 something in four days right four days or three days i think it was three days yeah Yeah. and it was 430 something in three days some somewhere i mean it was 20 or 30 people you know doing it but i mean they just went on a mass coon hunt to try to help the turkey population and right not saying that everybody needs to do that on that scale but but you got to put them in check a little bit. Right. Right. Because your camera tells you pretty much how many. Right. Coons yeah. are in. I mean, I think anything you can legally do as far as trapping, coon hunting, snaring, anything, anything to keep the predators in check is going to help everybody because right. the way everything's set up, especially in the South with the pine thickets and nobody trapping, it's just a, I mean, the predators are having a field day, you know? So that's cra- that's crazy. Jared, you hunt hogs over there where you are? I killed one hog. It was a 200-pound boar in Sumter County, Alabama, on an uh, invite. That's the only hog I've ever killed. They're not in my area too much right now. I guess it's too much, too many hills or something. I don't know why. But I guess they might be coming, but they're not here yet. So, no, I have to go I have to go pretty far to get a hog. Yeah, that, that's Y'all, a good thing. We we covered up with them over here. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much the entire state of Louisiana is infested with hogs. I yeah, mean, very all the south portion. Very few areas in Louisiana don't have them. Hey, if I live there the way I am, you know me. I'd be uh, <laughs> you keep I'd the be meat market in business. Crossbows, pistols, anything I could just have fun. You know, not have fun, but you get meat and get them off the land and stuff. But being a wild right. man, be out hogs. I told him if we lived in Alaska, we'd be trapping penguins and. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just blood, man. Bayou Texas in my blood. Yes, indeed. All right, yep, I got yep. the next question ready for you. Where did you learn the most about turkey hunting? In the woods. In the woods. <laughs> 100%. That's the easiest answer I can give. You mean where or who, who taught him the most? I taught, well, I taught myself, but um, whenever uh, Ben Rogers Lee, I don't know if y'all ever heard of him. Yes, sir. He, he was a big big guy, you know. He was a big guy, and I was a big guy when I was a kid. And so I always looked up to him, and he was a great caller and a woodsmanship, and he was from this area. So uh, he really set the fire in me. I don't know what it was about him watching them old VHS tapes, and I just, you know, it just set, set a fire. I can't explain. Uh, Eddie J- Salter. Jared, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to stop you for a second and tell you something. When I shook your hand in Birmingham, I thought Ben Rogers Lee when I shook your hand. Man, I'll get teary-eyed because I hear that a lot. A lot of people say, uh, they they joke and say, that's a Ben Rogers wannabe, you know, but yeah. he want to be Ben Rogers Lee. Well, that, that was the thought I had when I shook your hand. I said, this is I Ben Rogers mean, Lee. <laughs> oh, know? man, I, that really made my day right there. You know what I used to love about Ben Rogers Lee? Remember what? Remember yep. them old deer hunting tapes when we, when we was younger, and he would play yep. the taps right before he would shoot, <laughs> like that kind of stuff, man. And like to me, he was he was so real, you know, like because he was on the front end of it when it, everybody, you know, like started. Everything out. was just getting yeah. going as far as TV shows and hunting videos and all that stuff. But he was so real, like. Everything he did, he explained 
all the way through, like why he was doing it. And it kind of like the juries do now. Right. You know, he, he was way more informative than a lot of the other people that were doing it. Right. Like a lot of people, when they first started, it was like, all right, you see this guy walks in the stand, he climbs up in and he shoots a deer. Ben was actually explaining like, okay, a buck deer has got a tarsal gland and we about to make a mock scrape. Ben, Ben Rogers Lee was making mock scrapes 50 years ago. That's yeah. crazy. You know, and that's shooting with a bow right there at his mock scrape. Right. With that little man. Yep. You know, and, and kind of woods that we hunt, but we're used to, that's what I liked about it. It was not farm country. I, I've never hunted a farm. I've never hunted a big pasture bird, never, you know, stuff like that. I've always hunted thick woods and, you know, mixed woods and stuff like that. So Ben, Ben was like hunting that as I grew up as a kid. So I, I really, other than that, I got in the woods. Uh, I've never really hunted with hardly anybody much over the years. Uh, really just hunt my, my kids and stuff and, uh, they learning from me. So I never really learned from like an expert or nothing like that in the woods. I just seen what they did and tried to do it and it worked. And when I first started, I'd get out there with a box call. Yuck, 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 yuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, where they at? Why ain't they gobbling? You know? <laughs> and then I'd walk and then I'd just get discouraged. And my mom bought me a 10 gauge when I was just a little kid. And wow. uh, it was too much of a gun, but I uh, hunted with that 10 gauge. And I'd walk and walk and walk and call that thing and nothing happened. And I said, maybe I'm just not a good caller. So I started uh, calling less and different, you know, stuff I got learned using mouth call, calling less. And and it just all started coming together. And then I started, you know, I started killing and I started learning how to hunt them silent birds. And that's, uh, that's what separates the men from the boys right there. Because so many people come over here and say, man, y'all got some silent birds over there. And I'm like, well, they're not totally silent. You just got to know where they're roosting knowing where they're going knowing their routine and listening for them wings and just little tiny tiny yelps and stuff like that uh yeah they listen so, for the wrong sounds huh right they're just wanting to hear a gobble you know and like other places do sometimes but it's totally different you know around here I so, just want to hear that damn gobble. Say, little, <laughs> Straight up. I'm a little addicted to that sound now. So let me ask you this, Jared. I'm going to assume that you've killed a ton of birds that came in silent, right? Yep. Yep. Lots of them. All I right. an article about that. So silent. what, let's say you know where a turkey's at. He might gobble one time, maybe twice, and then you don't hear anything for a while to be able to kill that bird. If you feel like, all right, this turkey's probably going to come in silent. Like how do you gauge when to move, when not to move, where to set up and all that kind of stuff? I am almost 50. And when them knees start hurting, I say, well, let's just walk right here. And I walk where, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll walk until my legs feel good. And I'll try to, you know, sometimes I'll get down where I walk to, and, and call there, see if he thinks I'm a hen, because a hen's not going to stay in the same spot all day anyway. So it's good to move some all day until you find, you know, a good area. Uh, if if I'm sitting there and I heard him gobble first time, and then I do my little cut to him. Right. I just want to judge, judge how far his gobble is from that cut. Is he wanting to answer me, or is he uh, just doing it naturally? If he shuts up. Uh, if he answers me, 
I know he's heard me, so I'm shutting up and I'm sitting there path least resistant again. Uh, I'm waiting on him because he answered me. And if he ever cuts you off, you better not move. But if it's just like a, a gobble and you think it might be a little bit further than you heard it the first time and nothing's happening and two hours goes by and you don't hear, you know, you don't hear nothing and your legs are hurting, go take a walk. Do you calling over there? You might even strike up another bird. I've done that several times. Uh, didn't even know that bird was over here and caught him and worked him and got him. But we'll go back to that spot and eat you. I like peanut butter and jelly sandwich or something like that. Something you can eat a couple of and get some water and sit there the rest of the day in a, a little blind. Take you some pine limbs and build you a little blind or chair, anything to get comfortable and uh, sit there the rest of the day. And you'll hear a lot and you might know what to do the next day if you're fortunate enough to go the next day. That's a good thing. If you can go, you know, you got time to hunt. If you're on a new piece of land and you ain't going to be able to hunt there but one time, you're going to really want to make something happen. So you might want to be just a little bit more aggressive. You know what I mean? Does that right, make sense? right, right, right. That makes a lot of sense. If you've got a limited time to hunt, you almost have to be more aggressive. Right. Yep. But if you got the luxury of saying, you if, know, if, you can hunt tomorrow. If you got the really? right kind of job, you can go every day. You can, you know. I don't, you know, I don't get to hunt much mornings. I take my vacation and take my time, vacation time and hunt mornings. But after that, I hunt evenings a lot. Yeah. So, it takes a lot uh, of dedication to hunt evening time. And it, it does. Cause it turns, especially if you hunt it in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't get to hunt in the morning, so I'm itching all day. I'm so what you're saying uh, is we ain't going to see you at the Waffle House. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no. I love, I love to see hash browns, but no. I got to have me some feet in my hands, brother. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I love that feeling all day. So I don't. what's your go-to call, Jared? I know you're uh, I know you, you you're sponsored by somebody, right? Yeah, House 2 Game Calls and – uh also, I want to give a shout out to Mossy Oak and Jeb's Chokes. I love them, you know, I love them guys. But uh, my go-to call is the Houndtooth Ace. It's called the Ace, and uh, that's a good call and easy to blow and sounds real good. Uh, I love a good a good slate. Being old school, I love a slate. I've right. used aluminum. I've used anodized aluminum. I've used. Uh, I've used pretty much everything, ceramic, and I've killed a turkey with pretty much everything. Uh, I've killed a turkey with a piece of grass before. Um, so you can, you can call a turkey with anything. It's just when to call and how much to call. And, uh, a lot of people that are in calling contests, they might struggle in the woods because they want to call the turkey in. I want to, you know, I want to, I want to get a good feel for the turkey and then call it. So you don't have to do much of, cackling or right. you know loud calls or nothing like that so um i like a good slate i don't use a box much they say a, a box calls good windy days yeah windy days but I, you know i do carry aluminum call windy days aluminum pot call yeah right yeah i'll strike it up and uh what what's what's called is that i'm just curious it's called a um it's a houndstooth, uh, houndstooth anodized aluminum. It doesn't have you. a name. You want to look that up, huh, Ricky? Oh, yeah. Yep. He loves them aluminum. 
what yeah, I've well, learned about Jared so far, he's a whole lot less <laughs> about calling and a whole lot more about listening. Yeah. So. I like to use, uh, I like to use good calls, but call less with them and, you know, higher end calls. And uh, so they sound good because I'm not a great caller. Right. Uh, right. I like the, the, the notes and, you know, lyrics I call them. I want them to sound perfect. OCD perfect. I'm talking about. So yeah. Try to, <laughs> You know so, stuff like that, but it comes up. To, I, I mean, I've heard, I've heard hymns gobble. I've heard everything out there, and that, some of them sound terrible. So if you mess up, you know, just pause, like, pause five seconds, and you know, do something else different. But because uh, everybody will hit a, a squeaky note or something like that, just stop. You know, that's usually when I'll scratch the leaves or something. Yeah, that I don't think I've that. ever been lucky enough to hear hen gobble. Yeah, well, I want what it wants, and so. I was all excited and the senior come up and I said, there's the hen. Come on, redhead. Come up. Come out of a draw, man, like a, a holler. And she come up there and all of a sudden she gobbled. And I'm like, wait a minute. That's the same gobble I just heard. And I, <laughs> wow. I said, man, she did it twice and that was crazy, man. Have you ever seen hen strut? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. My yeah. buddy, he's uh, in the video on Facebook a lot. He's just right here down the road and he has a, where he works at. And uh, a hen comes out there in a lumber yard and, and struts almost every day. It's weird. That's People crazy. I wonder what makes a hen do that. I, I, I don't know. I These mean, days, um, I see him getting a dust bowl and, you know, that's pretty cool too. You ever seen him getting a dust bowl? Yeah. That's, that's crazy to watch. It's kind of like a duck in water, but a turkey in dust. You know, yep. it's like a little bitty. It's like a little bitty bowl. You'll see it when you're turkey hunting. Yeah. Ricky got some over there by him. You'll see the down feathers in it. It'll yeah. be like a. Like it's a like a powder waddle, dust. A waddle it out spot and it'll be real fine dust where they've been dusting it. So, Jerry, you ever thought about doing. You ever thought about getting a Grand Slam before or. No, man, I'm too poor for all that. <laughs> I, I was just wondering. I mean, shit, we right there with you. <laughs> I tell you a story. I know a guy, and he, he don't kill many turkeys in Alabama. Now, he grew up here, but he went out and he got his grand slam, and uh, you know, but still he'll struggle in some of the areas we hunt down here to kill a turkey. So, right, you know, I, sure, I'd like to have it on my resume one day, but I ain't spending that much money on going. You know what I mean? It's, not, it's important to me, but it ain't that important. To me. Right. Like, no, I'm right I just, there with just, you. I'm just more about the. Man, it was March Madness, <laughs> Eastern Turkey. March uh, Madness. <laughs> yeah. So I ain't talking about no basketball. <laughs> <laughs> so if you yeah. had, if you had to, if you had to pick three things, Jared, that you could tell somebody that's struggling to kill turkeys, and and you don't have to go a long time on this, but if you just had to pick three things to tell somebody that you feel like is an absolute must to be able to kill turkeys, what would they be? Confidence, persistence, and patience. Patience. <laughs> <laughs> D-Wask answered that one for you. Yeah, because I know I don't have the patience. And, and the, get, the more you want to walk and all this stuff, but back then I was walking because I didn't think nothing was there. Now I'm walking because I know something's there. Does that make <laughs> that's the biggest difference. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, that's back wild. Then, I there, you know, I, I bust them. But now I know they're there. 
I'm walking to stretch my legs and get to another spot. You know what's crazy, Ricky? Is that we talked some good turkey hunters. You know, we talked to Leon. We got Jared on here. Holyfield. A uh, mm-hmm. couple more guys. Shane. Shane Simpson. They hunt less, kill more. Or hunt quieter, yeah. kill more. Same thing in the deer woods. Greg Lessinger hunts less, kills more. Mm-hmm. So patience must be like the yeah, I, I game think, changer. I think it's the key in everything. Really. Right. For us, I mean, we've been taking it in. I mean, Jared don't do podcasts all the time, but like for guys like us, we've been doing it now for a little while. But everybody, they don't necessarily don't necessarily say patience. Right. Right. But at the end of the day, that's where it all falls out. Yeah, it's kind of the moral of everybody's story. Yeah. Successful patience plays a big factor in it somewhere right. down the line. I just, I probably couldn't turkey hunt with Jared because I'd be like, <laughs> fucking just like kicking leaves and like, he was like, calm the hell down over here, you know? Hey, Jared, if D was hey. turkey hunt with you, you'd have a hard time probably getting him to sit there for eight, nine hours. <laughs> <laughs> I have a good time. I mean, I know how to yeah. piss the hens off. I do know that. Yeah, he can call now, but he can call, uh, he can call better than me. But it's just my patient runs. My patience runs out very quickly. And you know how I learned, how to, you know I learned that. Well, I took this boy one time, and we hunted hard that morning. We stayed in a, a good little area, a tight area. We called and moved maybe forty yards and called me and scratched the lead. Called nothing, nothing, nothing. Well, we sat there at about 1 o'clock. Uh, we left and went to eat. I said, you want to go make an evening hunt? Just go be lazy and sit on, you know, sit around the field or something just so you see what happens. He said, let's go. We went went back. Right in our boot print was the biggest gobbler track you ever saw. <laughs> that sucker came in after we left. He had heard us right exact spot where we called. That's where I called, where my boot track was. I called a little point right there. And that sucker was standing right in that spot. So Come on, looking for you. Not, not 20 yards down. He he come to my boot track and stepped right in my fresh boot track where I called. So I knew that turkey had heard me. And a lot of times they just want to take their time, even if they don't have a hen. If they have hens, they really will take their time. But sometimes they're just stubborn and they, you know, they want to take right. an hour or two. Like, a wa- coming. like watching paint dry. Yeah. yeah. Waiting so, on them. You know what? You know what really broke me from being impatient turkey hunting was I was probably in my early twenties and really, really just got to turkey hunting hard and had talked to a bunch of old school guys and you know, which my daddy taught me a good bit about turkey hunting, but I wouldn't call him an expert, you know. So right. I took this other guy hunting that had never been, so we go in there, turkey gobbles on the limb two or three times. We go set up in what I think is the best spot. I tree up a couple of times and the bird cut me off. I said, I ain't saying nothing else. Cause I've been talking to all these old school guys. Like, right. And they told me if he answers you in the tree, don't say another word. So we sit there for two and a half hours. Finally, the turkey gobbles and I'm like, okay, he's on the ground now stayed in the tree forever. So I made three yelps. He cut me off again. I said, that's it. We ain't got to call no more. He's coming right to us, dude. At 11.45, we ain't had a no- heard another word. Now, it's been like two hours since he gobbled on the ground. I finally said, dude, we might as well get up and move. That turkey went the other way. <laughs> I shit you not. When I stood up, he was 
15 yards behind a tree <laughs> coming straight to the dude's gun barrel. And I, he just never said a word. And I'm like, I learned that day. Don't you ever think he went the other way just because he's not right. traveling, you know? Nope. So, nope. Oh, that's what I'm saying. That's the silent birds I'm talking about. They're not silent, but they, they're silent. They ain't gobbling and all yeah. that. But them suckers will sneak right up in on, on you, and you think they're gone. So you always have to be ready, you know? Yeah. A lot of times I set up, when I set up, I have me a little spot like with vines or something where I can put, uh, you know, like a peanut butter and jelly, something quick, and uh, my pot towel and my water and whatever in my bag and then i kind of have it covered up if he comes around any you know behind me or something he won't see it so i right. do that a lot i just set up camp right there if i know i'm in a good area and uh you know set up right there and sit it out um some days you walk in five miles to <laughs> sit sit it out the next day you know what i mean just do yeah. stuff like that and i i think that's that may be human nature or Maybe that's more of a new thing. Like everybody feels like if they walk far enough, they'll eventually get on a goblin turkey. But sometimes you may be better off if you just sit where you know they they hang out. You know? Right. Just like Jerry said a while ago, yeah. they they left or they circled around, and the turkey's track was in the boot track. So yeah. the track they did. Yeah. <laughs> if he finds his track, he's dead. What else you got, man? I know you got something you want to write. Eric is over here, like, pen, paper, Ricky's pen, paper. Jared. I'm looking at him like I'm hoping you're writing all this down. My, oh, wife, yeah. my wife just started turkey hunting last year really hard, so she's trying to get all of this knowledge that you're spitting out all at one time. So she's uh she's trying to learn as much as she can. I'm so jealous of all these people that have been turkey hunting for years and years, and I'm, like, just starting. I want to know all the things. It's so much right to take now. in. Right it's now, so much to now. take in. It really is. So you're referring, you keep saying you setting up where you think the turkey's going to be or wants to be. Can you explain that? Because I have no idea where the turkey wants to be. Yeah. I know where I want them to be, but <laughs> so, <laughs> not necessarily. You want him to be hardly ever. Uh, most times you're going to kill him where he wants to be. So successful hunters find where they're strutting at. Um, where they they're walking the roads when it rains. It's gonna where, have uh, feather lines. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You see the lines where the tips of their feathers are dragging the ground, and they're going in circles. I call it a dance hall. I, I see the dance hall. Good way to put it. So, so Jared, like, like, what about ant piles? What's the reason that turkeys get in ant piles? Do you look for that or no? Uh, I've looked because I've heard that turkeys flop around in ant piles or. Or dig them out to get the mites off of them. I don't know if it's right, wrong. It's just. Uh, I mean, here in Louisiana, everywhere we have turkey tracks, they got ant piles. The turkeys just they tear them up. And I heard that the turkeys actually lay in the ant pile to get the mites off their feathers. Oh, okay. So. I'm not sure. I, I didn't know if you knew that at all. Uh, I've heard that before. Yeah. But I, I don't know if it's true I've been, or not. Yeah, I've been told that a couple times. And I also heard that that no, like sometimes a hen will nest near an ant pile or when, when the ants build a nest, that the ants won't actually eat the eggs, but they actually keep some of the predators away from the nest. Really? I, I, uh, I think I've heard and, somebody say the same thing. Yeah, like I, I know – 
it's a it's a lot of ant piles around here. You know, big red red clay ant piles, red ants, and everywhere they have turkeys, the ant piles will be tore up, demolished, and it's just something about the mites on the turkeys. They lay down in there. They the ants. See, I always because I've seen that. I've so, seen places. So you ain't never heard that, Jed? Mm, not really. Yeah. Yes, I have. I'm sure somebody will comment about this, and hopefully they will, because that's what I've always been told, so I don't know if it's right or wrong. All I know is a bunch of turkey tracks and ant piles. And uh, down here in the south, we have red ants, so and big yeah. red ant heels. So I, I got find a, tracks two days in a row, that's really exciting. Find a track's exciting, but if you find them two days in a row, that turkey right. wants to be there. You know what I mean? Right, you right. So, uh, that's a, that's a, that's a hundred percent truth right there. Cause he ain't going to get scared. Uh, if he gets scared and he flies out, you know, cross a cut over and lands on a dirt strip or something and you see his track and like, you know, that's exciting. No one's in the area, right. but you got him there two or three days in a row. Oh man. Sit right there. Yeah. He coming through. Exactly. So when you get around those big new cutovers and stuff, Jared, do, are you using binoculars kind of looking around the cutovers? Sometimes, sometimes I do. Sometimes I feel like bringing them. Sometimes I want to be light. I need to get a little smaller pair. But uh, right, right. if you can carry them, I would because that really helps you. You right. spot them sunshine, you know, and then plan the attack. Right. Uh, That's one so, thing that I feel like people don't emphasize enough about turkey hunting, and it and it really don't matter if you hunting big tracts of land where it's big fields, cutovers, timber, whatever binoculars a lot of times can save you from spooking a bird you know yeah especially if you moving slow and you you scan him with your with your binoculars around a cut over you know the edge of a field because or even in a shaded you know patch of timber right you know like for the human eye it might be shaded but you pick them binoculars up i mean you can see in there clues probably would have saved our hunt last season that so oh, I yeah, jumped for, up and I didn't for, see the turkey sure. right on top of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Erica uh-huh. jumped up last year and there was like two gobblers, like thirty-five yards. <laughs> yeah, but we couldn't see them coming in. I don't know. They were if the, coming in from our left behind us. Yeah, I don't know if the binoculars would have saved us, but maybe I don't know. Yeah. A lot of places I hunt, you can't see them till they're right there on you. Right, I'm out. Thickets. Yeah. I just don't carry them sometimes because I'm being lazy you know, or trying to be light, you know, carry as much as I can. Right. And, uh, I feel just as many when I go with just my mouth calling my gun sometimes. I call it being light or whatever, just walking through there and see them. Make sure you have your mask and gloves, you know, and just uh, walk until you see one and set up with a mouth call because, you know, like say after work, you're tired and I build a lot. I do hydraulic press and all this stuff. And, you know, it's like, dang, I'm just going to go light today. And I kill a lot right. of them that way. So, yeah. That's just good tips. Just don't be intimidated or think you have to do it a certain way. Just do it however you makes you happy and comfortable. Right. So, you kill turkeys, you know. Yeah. I, I, I definitely am going to have to start thinking like that because, yeah. I get tired of carrying forty-seven calls and binoculars <laughs> and box calls and decoys, decoys and, and yeah. As long as you bring yeah, my snacks, we all right. <laughs> yeah. Jared, I'm with you on them snacks. I gotta have yeah. something. Beanie Winnies, huh? Yeah. Beanie Winnies <laughs> and peanut butter and jelly, huh, Jared. <laughs> my lucky snacks. 
are uh, peanut butter and jelly uncrustables. In the morning and they defrost, buddy. On the money. Yep. That's that tastes so good out there. Man, it's been a pleasure talking to you. What you think, Ricky? Yeah, man. I, I really like I think, Ricky, you, how many pages you got wrote down over there? I don't know, three or four. <laughs> Jared, like I said, Jared's one of those people, like, you'd have to spend a week with him to yeah. try to, to pick some of this stuff up. You'd have to spend a long time with him. But yeah. Jared, if you ever want to hunt Louisiana or Mississippi, you got a permanent invite to hunt with me. I can't promise you we're going to kill a turkey, but uh, – we definitely have some fun, and I'll bring you a peanut butter and jelly and, and some beanie weenies. <laughs> but, uh, Maybe I, some crawfish? We, oh, we hell have, yeah. We're going to have crawfish. If you ever just want to come to Louisiana to eat, we can hook you up. Yeah. d throws some hella parties over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, man, and I really appreciate you having me on. It's been a blast. Well, I'll look. I'll be back on your ass. Before we let you go, Jared, I got two more questions for you, and you can spend as little or as long as you want to on these two questions. All right. I want to know the most unbelievable thing you've ever seen in the turkey woods. That's the first one. Well, I had a I had a, a hen one time, or a flock of hens, and I was in some short, short pines. Uh didn't know anything about this land I was at. I said, I'm going to sit right here and, and listen. It was short pines. And I didn't really have many choices that year. I heard a, a hen tree yelp real light. Just like that. I said, oh, that was a, that was a, then I heard that wing. I called, I, I did a tree yelp myself, real soft three yelps. I heard another wing, another wing. Another wing. Well, about 30 wings later, one of them hens landed right in the short pine I was in. I ain't talking about a tall pine. I'm talking about bigger than Christmas trees, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. Eight to ten foot. He landed right on top of me. And I'm sitting there, and my bottom lip is quivering, and and hens started coming everywhere all around me looking for me, and, and like they were ready to fight. Well, this one above me, she was just, she was just, she wouldn't fly off or nothing. And all that bark was just landing on me. And it was just landing all over me. And poop landed right on my leg. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was sitting there and I was like, oh, man, where is the gobbler? Let me hurry up and find a gobbler. And all these hens are all around me. And I didn't even know turkey was in here, man. I, I mean, I really didn't. There wasn't that much sign in there. It was uh, just short pines. It was, it was just a weird morning. So, all of a sudden, I saw a red wattle of about 60 or 70 yards below this hill, and this gobbler come out, and uh, he just started slowly inching his way. And all these hens are just all over me, and she's staying right above me. And uh, I had to I had to go to the bathroom. I don't want to say it's in front of your wife, but I had to go to the bathroom, and I remember that. I could not move. So I just let her rip, tater chip, and just peed right there. <laughs> Then all of a sudden, that, that gobbler, he come on a little closer and a little closer, and I, I couldn't get the shot on him. And all of a sudden, the hens started walking out of that area. They all one after another. I ain't never seen them. Just one after another going up out there. And she stayed up there. Well, the gobbler started following them. I said, I'm going to have to yelp somehow or do something to stop him. And she's fixing to go crazy. So I did a, a, a little cluck or something. Yep just like that just enough to 
And when I did, she flew <laughs> when I shot. And I'll just never forget the, 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 the everything about that hunt, man. And, uh, he was a beautiful three year old, but it was just so crazy that turkey pooped on my leg. And was, I'm talking about short pine, not no tall pine. So that was really, really awesome. So that's crazy that, I mean, you must have been being quiet to get up underneath that many turkeys in that short of timber, huh? Yeah, you have to. You have to be really, really still. You ain't got no silhouette. But like I say, I try to get in vines and thick stuff. And uh, anywhere I go, I look for a little area like that where I can see. And that would just happen where I could see like a little bee in them woods there. And uh, got up against a little small tree. And that sucker tree hopped. You know what tree hopping is. Right, That's why I tree right, tree. right. Tree to tree to tree to tree to tree to tree and landed right in my tree where I called them three little tree yet. Yeah, one one of those birds that me and Dustin fooled with last year that we were talking about that answered the goose call. We watched him tree hop for two hours on Dustin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's up and down, hopping, hopping, yeah, hopping. It was wild. But uh, I had a bobcat about bite me one time. Oh, tell that story. I was calling. I was sitting right there. And some short pines again that time. And uh, I was calling, there was a little opening, and that bobcat came right there to where my boot was sitting. And uh, oh man, he just like he was, he didn't know what he saw, and I couldn't swing on him. There was a little tree out there, I couldn't swing on him, but he was a huge bobcat. Uh, that was, it was pretty, it was an awesome memory for me just knowing that he was wanting a turkey, you know, and he was stalking it. Come in there real low to the ground, right there to my foot. That's crazy. My uncle yeah. had that happen one time, and he described it just like you're talking about. You know, he he just sitting there, just soft yelping every once in a while, you know, hoping a turkey would come in silent. And he saw a bobcat coming, and he said, he said that bobcat got right to the end of my boots, and he said I could read that bobcat's mind. He said that bobcat's face went from I'm stalking a turkey to, oh, shit, that ain't no turkey. <laughs> <laughs> and he said that bobcat turned around and left like he was shot out of a cannon. Gone. But, uh, Another reason for crap right there. Yep, man. No, uh, my my other question uh, would be if there was one thing that you could change about today's turkey hunters, what would it be and why? Well, I hate, I know a lot of people, and they'll sit there and watch uh, sail cam. You know, they watch that, and as soon as the turkey gets over there, they'll, they'll you know, have a free pass there. And I'm not knocking it. I'm, it's just not for me. So I, I changed that. And uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, other than that, I really, that's a good question. There's not too much I'd change because uh, I wouldn't have the life I've had right now with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. But so you know, them cell cams, they they all right. I I guess I probably use one if I had one, but I think sometimes that makes it a little easier because I know a guy and he's not all that great of a turkey hunter, but he can see things and he goes in his passion and kills them. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, that's each his own. Whatever. Cell cams will get you in trouble. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jared. Long story. It's a long story. Another day. Yeah, tell you. But no, but just like deer, you might can go see the turkeys there one day. But if I'm sitting in the stand, they're not gonna come back out if I go sit right. where that cell cam was. 
taking yeah, pictures. Yeah, you know I'm talking about we we set traps in front of it, and that was some of the best fun we ever had. I loved it. But oh, I, never, I bet it was. I never. I bet that was awesome. That. Yeah, that's. You put it on video mode or no? Huh? The cell cam. You put it on video mode or still pictures? Uh, he had it on a he had it on a picture, and we called I, a big old raccoon. And he said, "Look at here, look at here," because we was trying for our yoke that kept coming in there by his corn. So we right. put a trap. Big old raccoon messed it up first night. So we were sitting there, and all of a sudden, a bobcat come right out of there on his picture and come right to that coon and never did kill it. And there was like a huge bobcat come over. I guess he heard that rattling. Right. And he come over. We looked right at it, and I got a picture somewhere on my phone. I don't know. I'd have to ask Bobby for it, but it was awesome, man. Uh, I told yeah, him that's the man. Cool. Yeah, that's crazy yeah. what you can get. So exciting that night. Never saw that bobcat again. He just heard that rattling and come in there. Come check it out. Yep. Yeah, so, I, I actually had a trail cam picture of a, a a coon in a corn pile one time, and the next picture, that dude had the biggest Tom Bobcat I ever saw caught him. He had that coon cool. by, by the back of the neck, and a, I mean, a coon's a bad animal. Yeah, for oh, that yeah. cat to kill that coon that quick blew my mind. But it, like the third picture, you just saw him walking off with the coon in his mouth. It was crazy. <laughs> man, man. Them, them coyotes we catch me and Jake. They uh, they'll they'll cower down. They'll look away. You barely find one that'll really be try to bite you or be real active. But most time they'll cower down like they know they're whooped. But a right a bobcat or a raccoon, uh, uh-uh. damn something. <laughs> yeah, they'll lunge as far as they can hand to get you. Well, y'all had a good time. I did, Jared. I mean that, man. If you ever want to come to Louisiana, we'll, we'll cook you some crawfish, go on a turkey hunt, whatever you want to do, man. And I'll uh, show you how to party. Yeah, DYS, DYS, I had a cold beer ready for you. It'll be, uh, it'll be a fun time if you ever want to do it, man. I appreciate that, guys. I really so, do. Jared, for anybody that's listening, where can they look you up and find you? All right, I want to give a shout out to Mossio and Jeb's Choked, Rogue Ammunition, and Houndstooth Game Calls. And uh, just look me up, Jared James Smith, on Facebook, and I even give you special prizes on jibs if you're nice. That's right. That'll work. Ricky. Yep. Man, he's I, smiling from ear to ear over I there. I really, like like you said earlier, Dustin, I really just have enjoyed this, appreciating hearing an old-school turkey hunter. Right. We've only had a couple. Right. Old-school. Right. Or, or, or does it old-school? Probably. Three? Yeah. Carl Holyfield, yep. Leon, and Jared. Yeah. You know? You know what makes me proud of that, though? Is I never did one from an old timer. I really didn't. I never, you know, they wouldn't hardly take you turkey hunting when you was a kid. They take you deer hunting and fetch you out and run down, but they wouldn't take you turkey hunting. So every bit of it, I wanted to kill a turkey when I, you know, so I had to learn on my own. And I guess I learned it the old way, which is the way of the woods, you know, being a woodsman and stuff. So that's uh, that old school. Well, you definitely learned a lot and doing great things. Kills up, been really, really successful. Yeah, good speaker, good storyteller. Definitely. I mean, dude, I learned a lot. I'm gonna take a picture of your notes when yeah. when we finish. But man, it was great having you on here, Jared. And we've been looking forward to this. We've been talking about this since Birmingham, which was, yeah. I mean, coming up on a year probably. But uh, y'all stuck in my mind too, man. Y'all are some good folks, buddy. I really great, love y'all. great times, man. Uh, yeah. And your little boy Jake, man. I don't know. I don't know if I ever met a cool, cool kid like that. You know, cool. that that dude was cool. Little Jake, he's something, man. Oh, dude, I love that little kid. You call him wild man, huh? 
He can track anything down. I'm talking about always has been since he was one, and he started learning all the animals and all right. paws and you know tracking turkeys, all that. He knows. Uh, he's he's awesome. I him to grow up and you know get his first turkey. So yeah, I mean, send, send us a picture when Wild yeah. Man lays one down. I yep. will. So you good, Jared? You got anything hey. for anybody? Man, no, but y'all just have me back and. We're gonna stay in touch on Facebook, and I'm gonna try to get y'all down here for a hunt one day or something. You know, maybe we can learn something in real life. Jared, don't say that too loud. Let's <laughs> say count Eric, me in. Eric be drove to Alabama. <laughs> be done left his ass. There ain't no turkeys down there. Jared done killed them all. <laughs> and Ricky, you good? Yeah, man, I'm good. I you learned it. a lot. I did. I mean, you done burnt my pen up over there, son. Yeah. Eric. Oh, yeah, I'm good. I love talking turkeys. Yep. She's going to kill some here shortly. Yep. So, I love it. Five times a year. Thank you, Jared. Thank you, Ricky. Thank you, Erica. From Between the Times Outdoor Podcast, we are out.